Hey, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. And I'm Emily. And happy Valentine's Day. And hey, if it's your first time checking out New City Church, we want to say welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you want to learn more and take that step and connect with us, we want to make sure that's as easy as possible. You can go to newcity.us connect, fill the form out there, and I'll be in touch with you this week. Yes, and we're so excited to be launching our Lent project. And so Lent will start this Wednesday on Ash Wednesday and run through Easter. And we will be sending out emails every Monday to resource you with devotionals and all sorts of things that you can be doing at home. So we hope that you will join us for that. You can check out more information at lentproject.us. And we want to be known around here at New City Church as a radically generous church. And we'd love to invite you into that, into the the work and ministry that we're doing not only here in the city, but around the world. If you want to give to that, you can do so by going to newcity.us slash give. Yes, and we're starting a brand new sermon series next week all about the parables of Jesus, and we want you to be part of that. Uh, The series is going to be called Stories Jesus Told. So join us, invite a friend online or in person at one of our locations. That's right. And today we're joined by special guest Jeff Helton, who's going to preach a sermon on relationships, which is totally fitting for Valentine's Sunday. So now let's get ready to worship together. Well, welcome to New City Online. My name is Joel. Y'all are excited to be in the presence of God this morning. Let's worship together. Come on. Yeah. 
Feel the presence of God right now. And I am surrounded And by the arms of my Father And I am surrounded And by your song Breathe in the breath of God right now. I don't know where you are in this world, but just breathe it in. Take a second to realize that he breathes his life into you because he cares about you. He has adopted you and called you his child. Let that sink in. God, we thank you so much for adopting us and saving us and calling us your own. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you purely and righteously because we love you. Mm, I pray that you bless this service, God, and give us ears to hear what you are saying to us. God, bless the speaker. And just anoint this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to hear a message about relationships from Jeff Helton. So as you have time, go ahead and open your Bibles or the New City app to the book of Proverbs. So let's tune in now.
thanks so much for joining us this weekend at New City. We're grateful to have each and every one of you on this Valentine's Day weekend. And if you missed New City date night this past Friday night, you can go back and watch it on our YouTube channel. We had a great time uh, engaging marriages here and talking about the subject of conflict. And Jeff Helton and his wife, Laura, were here to guide us. And now Jeff is here to lead us through a message this morning about relational wisdom in a reactive world. So I can't think of a better message uh, to talk about this weekend, and we're grateful to have you here with us, Jeff. Welcome. Thanks, Chris. It's always such a joy to be here at New City Church. Uh, It was about a year ago, actually a year ago, next weekend when Laura and I spoke at the first date night. We were in the Matthews campus, and you guys, it was a packed foyer. Uh, There was a lot of food out. People were hugging each other. Imagine this, nobody had on a mask and not once did I hear the phrase social distancing. A lot has really changed in the last year, hasn't it? It's been incredible the changes that have happened in our world and I don't need to recount them for them. You know, you know them as well as I do. But one of the things I have noticed this past year, not just out there, but at times in myself is we've really become more reactive. I find that I can be reactive to something I hear on the news or read on social media and just find myself just always getting worked up so quickly. I think our world really has become more reactive. And when that happens, it seems to me relationships often pay the price. Marriages, friendships, family members being pulled apart over reactivity, business partners. You know, the older I get, the more I'm convinced of this simple phrase, Everything in our lives is impacted by the quality of our relationships. And so when reactivity is rampant, guess what? Relationships suffer. You know, Jesus said it pretty simply when he was cornered by the Pharisees and and they asked, what's the most important commandment teacher? Out of 613 commandments Jesus had to choose from, he, he he chose really two commandments. He said the most important is to love the Lord your God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then Jesus said, and the second is just like it. It's like they, they push up against each other. They're almost, they're almost twins. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, relationships matter. Love God, love others. And y'all, life works best when we walk with relational wisdom, even in the midst of a reactive world. So what I want to do for a few minutes today is just look at several Proverbs together. You know, the Proverbs are filled with wisdom and yes, even relational wisdom. And in doing that, I just want to look at three principles that Solomon gives us about how we walk relationally wise. Principle number one, relationally wise people refuse to live alone. Relationally wise people refuse to live alone. Proverbs 18.1 says this, He who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. The, the message translates it this way and says, Loners who care only for themselves spit on the common good. Kind of a graphic image, isn't it? If I only care about myself, I'm spitting on the common good. I'm not really focused on something bigger than me. It goes back to the story of creation when God who's created everything and everything is fantastic and he's just declaring over and over again that his creation, it is good, it is good, it is good. In Genesis 2.18, he looks down and he says, hey, it is not good. And what's he talking about? He's talking about relationship. It is not good for the man to be alone. And in that moment, God creates woman and it's a bigger story than just a creation of male and female. It's the creation of connection. It's the, connect, it's the creation of relationship. We were truly created to live our lives in relationship. 
You know, there's an old adage that says together is better. A lot of us have experienced that. And we know that, man, when we do life together, we can go further, faster. We can do more. We can feel stronger and we can accomplish a lot. And yet there are moments, if we're honest, when, when the disappointment of engaging in a relationship kicks in, that we begin to go, I'm not sure together is better. Sometimes together is harder. Maybe I'll just go it alone. Maybe I don't need anyone. And so we begin to settle. We settle for fake community, artificial community, we shallow relationships, simple conversations, a marriage that's just getting by. And in doing so, we stay connected. You catch the air quotes. We're not really connected, but we stay connected with people. But in reality, we find ourselves very alone and lonely. In many ways, our world is a culture of loneliness, a world with many acquaintances, but few friends. A world filled with smartphones that are overflowing with contacts, but our hearts that are empty and longing for deep and meaningful connection. Plenty of casual and superficial, but short on authentic and vulnerable. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said it this way, loneliness is the leprosy of modern society and no one wants anybody to know they're a leper. See, people who are not relationally wise, they choose to live alone and And at the core of who they are, they know I'm living with the equivalent of leprosy. I I don't want anyone to know this, so I put on my happy face. Solomon tells us that relationally wise people recognize that danger and they they are intent on not living alone, not living in isolation. Two words, really important if we're not gonna live in isolation. One, initiative. You know, a courageous willingness to engage with others. So often I can find myself, I'm sure you do it as well, being like, well, why doesn't so-and-so ever reach out to me? Well, why am I the one always taking the initiative? One of the principles that relational wise people embrace is I'm okay taking the initiative. It's important that I do that. I'm quick to engage and invite others into my life. I don't sit back and wait to see what happens. Rather, I go and I help make relationships happen. Relational wise people take the initiative. Secondly, relationally wise people understand the value of time. And what I mean by that is they have a ruthless commitment to invest time in relationships. Relationships are not microwavable. It's just impossible. It's more the crockpot approach, right? We, we understand if we're relationally wise that we can't live in a hurried, rushed, overscheduled, overcommitted world and do deep connection. Even in our COVID world, we still have to be intentional about how we spend time together. Granted, it looks different, but we still can connect even virtually. So so relationally wise people understand that you can't microwave friendship. You You can't do it in a hurry. You have to be intentional and you have to take time. Relationally wise people understand that you can't fit deep community into the cracks of life, but you are you need to rearrange some things. And maybe today for some of us, that's one of the takeaways from our time together is going, what do I need to rearrange in my life? Where do I need to spend some time, effort, energy? Where do I need to be intentional to be able to live more relationally wise? Here's what's true. When we choose to live that way, the return on the investment is so worth it. Relationally wise people will give huge chunks of time and will courageously initiate with people. They'll do that because they know that's how relationships really grow. There's a second principle that Solomon teaches us in the Proverbs, and it's this, relationally wise people regularly take risk. A relationally wise person is willing to take a risk. It was in seventh grade, middle school days, when I took a risk. Sitting two desks in front of me was Kathy Berger. 
blonde hair, blue eyes, the girl of my dreams for seventh grade. And so in a moment on Valentine's Day week, I, I grabbed the courage to take the risk and I created the ultimate Valentine's Day card. I remember working at home the night before and then on the inside as she would open my little piece of paper, there was this little question, do you like me? Circle yes or no. That was my relational risk, y'all. Imagine my surprise when Kathy returns the card to me and neither word is circled, but below it is the word maybe. Sometimes when you take a relational risk, it doesn't exactly go the way you want it to. But my observation about life is that a lot of us adults are still in seventh grade that way. We still are afraid. We're looking around going, oh, wow, does he really like me? Could I really reach out and have a cup of coffee with him? Wonder if I could call her and talk to her about parenting. She seems like such a good mom. But something in us kicks in and we're afraid that we're not going to get a yes or no. We might get a maybe. You know, it's so ironic because overall, we're a pretty risk-taking people. Whether it's high level adventure that maybe you're into or some financial risks that maybe you've taken, there's a lot of places with our jobs where we change and we move across the country to a brand new town and we take a risk. But when it comes to relationships, if we're not careful, we are often held hostage by fear and we don't take risk. Some of us haven't taken a relational risk in years is probably the truest statement. We're risking all these others' arena, but when it comes to our heart, when it comes to being connected with others, the truth is we're just good old-fashioned scared at times. Relationally wise, people understand that they must take a risk. If you open up your heart to another human being, they know something good can happen, but they also know another truth about taking a relational risk. You will always get hurt. Do you like that idea? If you take a relational risk, I guarantee you 100% of the time, at some point, you will be hurt. That's part of what it means to be human. C.S. Lewis penned words that capture this so beautifully about our need to be in relationship, about our need to love, about our need to take risk. He wrote in his book, The Four Loves, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give it to no one, not even to an animal. Instead, wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket, the coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, your heart will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. Or the word I'm using today, to love, to be in relationship, requires a risk. See, relationally wise people are vulnerable. They regularly take risks. They recognize that healthy relations, relationship requires vulnerability. It requires engagement, at times even confrontation. See, relationally wise people who are taking risks, they'll take the risk to ask to be willing, and to be willing to be asked probing questions. They, they will take the risk to be loved and to, and to love others, to confront and to be confronted. They will take the risk to offer and receive counsel that brings healing. Sometimes just read through the whole book of Proverbs, almost in one setting. Sit down and read through it in, in an hour. You'll be amazed at the number of passages where Solomon says, look, if you're going to do relationship, it may, it may hurt, but that hurt will lead to healing. Listen to these four, four quick Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. In other words, I'll take the risk of having you 
give me counsel, of speak into my life. Relationally wise people do that. Proverbs 27, 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and so a man's counsel is sweet to his friend. I'll also take the risk of speaking into your life. If I'm relationally wise, I'll risk speaking into your life when I see a place going, hey, I care too much not to speak into it. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Many have known that passage for years. But think about that imagery of two pieces of an iron, a knife blade, and something to sharpen it with, rubbing against each other. That sharpening, that challenging, that called out, that, that's hard, that's fire. And yet they take that risk of going, I'm willing to rub that hard together to be able to be known more. In Proverbs 27, verses five and six, better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. You know, if this is a risk with a choice, if you were given a choice of receiving kisses or receiving wounds, I think most of us say, oh, please, please give me the kisses. Frederick Buechner writes in his book, Godric, that when all is said and done, friendship is the giving and taking of wounds. I would say it this way, when we take risk, we may very well be wounded. But as Solomon says in the Proverbs, those woundings like iron sharpening iron, they will better us, they will grow us. You know, it's a simple age old principle that most of us know. No pain, no gain, no risk, no reward. So to engage so deeply with another person with probing questions, confrontational discussions and and honest answers are shared, it requires taking an enormous risk. And relationally wise people, more than ever, maybe in this culture we're living into, long to do that. Maybe in this culture, we need to be more like like Mr. Rogers, if you please, just for a second. You know, Mr. Rogers once said this, the more we can be in a relationship with those people who might seem strange to us, the more we can feel like we're neighbors and all members of the human family. There is something so rich about that phrase. If I could just say, I long to do relationship. I long to be connected with people who are not like me, who are different than me. And the reason I want to do this, I'm willing to take a risk to walk as a relationally wise person. I think Mr. Rogers is right. We would all feel more like members of this human family. What an important truth for us to consider in this season of our lives. Finally, just a third principle from Solomon I want you to consider. Relationally wise people are unshakable, unshakable. They're loyal, they're durable, they're dependable. They stick around. You know, they're kind of like the energizer bunny, but just not nearly as obnoxious with that little drum thing going on all the time. We need to have that sense of tenacity, that sense of unflappability, of being unshakable. See, you don't develop courage by being happy in your relationships. An old philosopher once said, rather you develop it by surviving difficult times and through challenging adversity. What a powerful image of being unshakable that even when times are hard, even when you and I don't see the same way, deep relationship, deep friendship, relationally wise people go, bring it. I'm not afraid of those moments. Again, Solomon, rich in wisdom in the, in the Proverbs, write these, writes these words in Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers over a transgression promotes love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Solomon is saying that relationally wise people, they hold a confidence. They don't gossip. 
they are a safe place and they're unshakable in their confidentiality. I think about that with prayer requests. Prayer requests are not an opportunity to share the latest gossip on each other. But if I know something deep about you that you don't want to be shared with anyone else, then I hold it. I hold it in strictness of confidence. I'm unshakable in my commitment to you. A few verses later in Proverbs 17, 17, Solomon wrote, wrote these words. A friend loves at all time and a brother is born for adversity. A brother is born for adversity. Relationally wise people are unshakable in their ability to love at all times. The harder the adversity, relationally wise people say, the more I love, the more I show up, the more I engage. No matter what the situation or the circumstance, they believe the best. They engage directly. They are dependable and loyal. They know the three rules of friendship. Observe, observe, observe. Or maybe the other three rules of friendship. Show up, show up, show up. Relationally wise people, when they're taking risk, they also are unshakable. And in Proverbs 18, 24, a man of many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, we often take that passage and talk about Jesus and rightly so, beautiful application of it. But Solomon is instructing his son saying, hey, you need to know that you can have a friendship who's going to be as close, if not even closer than a brother. And for us to be able to be blessed with those kind of friendships require both people to be relationally wise. You know, I'm a person who has been blessed with a friend who I would say is literally closer than a brother. My friend Dave and I met when we were 12 or 13 years old, and he's one of those friends. When my brother passed away at a young age, Dave walked into a role in my life and became closer than a brother to me. I asked Dave recently, I said, Dave, what do you think after 40 plus years of friendship... What do you think could could create or cause an end to our friendship? And he paused for a moment and he thought, and then in classic Dave fashion, he said, well, I guess if one of us were to die, that would put a damper on things. And that's exactly the truth about our friendship. He's closer than a brother. He's there. He's dependable. He's unshakable. We have walked through some really hard times together. Dave has made decisions in his life that I totally disagree with. And I've told him I totally disagree with him, but it's unshakable in my love for him. Dave has challenged me on things that he wants to see me believe and think differently. And I go, sorry, I can't get there. But he's unshakable in his loyalty, his commitment, his willingness to keep showing up, even in the midst of our differences. See, who wouldn't like an unshakable relationship like that? But they don't just happen. And if I want to be involved in them, I must be willing. I need to look in the mirror first, not the window. I need to be willing to go, am I committed? Am I safe? Am I dependable? Do I show up? Do I engage? When things are difficult, do I press in or do I pull apart? One of the great great tragedies of our world is deep friendships that get divided over all sorts of reasons mentor relationships, friendship relationships, yes, even marriages at times where there's an issue that seems to come between and it becomes such a big wedge that it pushes us apart because something in us in those moments is no longer unshakable. See, the willingness to engage, to forgive and not let differences pull us apart, they don't don't have to be the things that, that damage us. This is what Paul talks about often in scripture when he says, there's a way for us to relate. There's a way for us to be connected, but foundationally, it's often going to require forgiveness. Listen to his words in Colossians chapter three. Paul says, put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, put on these things, kindness, humility, 
meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. I would say that in that short passage, the gospel is really summarized in those words. We have been chosen. God wants relationship with us. In Christ, God has made us holy. He's washed us clean. We are God's beloved. Put on, put on this truth about who you are as God's beloved. No matter what we've done, we are profoundly loved. We have been forgiven completely in Christ. We are justified. And Paul says, so since all of this about the gospel is true, here's the ultimate application. Put that on like a warm coat on a cold day. Go live into that truth. Live the way that you have received. What if we were to be a community of faith that truly lived that way? Relationally wise people who are that unshakable, no matter what happens between us or around us, we will forgive and continue to do relationship together. Three pretty simple principles, probably nothing new for us to learn, but powerful reminders about what it means to live relationally wise. Relationally wise people refuse to live alone. They regularly take risk. They're unshakable in their commitment to growth and their commitment to each other. You know, maybe above all, relationally wise people understand another truth. And that truth is this, just how short life really is. You know, they live in the awareness that one day, maybe like this day, this life will end and, and all the relational opportunities, they'll be over. And so what we're doing in this real moment, in this real life, is the only opportunity we have to live relationally wise. See, this life doesn't go on forever. Relationally wise people understand this. Relationally wise people know that ultimately it's all about love. Jesus summarized it pretty well, didn't he? Love God, love others. You get that right you win. You miss that and you lose. You catch that? You get relationships right. You win in this life ultimately. Everything else can fall around you. But if you're a relationally wise purpose, person walking with others, you win. But you miss that. And everything else is wood, straw, stubble. It all just burns up. More than ever, I believe the reactive world that we live in needs relationally wise people. May I encourage you to spend some time reflecting, praying, journaling, maybe even talking to someone else about how can I continue to grow as a relationally wise person. May we pray? So Father, we thank you that your word has such wisdom and such truth for us. I'm so grateful that Solomon teaches us multiple, simple, and yet transformational truths about walking in wisdom. And I pray you would continue to grow our hearts. Deeper love of your word, not just a deeper love of your word, but a deeper love of, of taking your word and applying it in our lives and living relationally wise. As the psalmist said years ago, Father, may relationally we live in such a way that the very words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart May they be acceptable in your sight, for Lord, you are our rock and you are our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. 
with us today, New City family. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. This one comes from number six. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City.